good morning, good afternoon, good evening. As always, a very warm welcome to Desi Sportscast live stream. It's good to have you all um, joining us, either watching live, and hope we can encourage more people to join in and uh, watch us live and get your questions in uh, uh, to the main man. Uh, but um, it's a warm welcome to the main man himself. Nevin, good afternoon, my friend. How are you today? Yes. All good, all good. Does the word uh, warm make you nostalgic? What, what's that? Like, does the word warm make you nostalgic about summers and oh, dear. times? I think um, just to share with the viewers, last week we did the podcast and it started snowing, uh, the live stream rather, we, it started snowing halfway through and I just gave um, Nevin a glimpse <laughs> outside my window and I think I sent shivers down. His, uh, yes. It was that cold and it got worse actually. It didn't stop for, I think, what, 16 hours or something. So it was pretty much snowed in the day after. And a little bit of weather change in England, whether it's raining a lot or uh, windy or too hot or too snow and we we can't cope um we're one of those nations that uh, we're not used to uh, extremes of weather even if it's for a day but yeah, yeah. Very, you, need to, you need to take a break come to Canada, enjoy the sun oh man honestly honestly yeah don't um even if i was allowed which i'm not at the moment um I would be there in a flash if I could, no doubt about it, because I do get jealous of every time you sh shoot any video anywhere in Kerala. It seems to be um, amazing. And, um, you know, I can't wait to uh, come and uh, witness it. So, yeah, really looking forward to that. But how's your week been anyway, more importantly? The usual, you know, there's a lot of football to catch up. There's, uh, I mean, a horrendous week thanks to Pep Guardiola. We're like three of my... Fantasy players not even starting, but uh, it's all good. Like as long as there's football, you can't complain, right? Then there's work, there's fun, there's. I mean, that's a life that I signed up for, so enjoying it. Well, there's one thing we can say there's not a lack of, and that is football. Um, but just before we get onto the football, and as always. You know, after I do the show and it's Monday morning, I think uh, we're going to find topics for the following week. There's always topics in football, um, big topics as well. So we'll come to those in a minute. But um, I have to say, I have to start with a bit of news that I saw this morning, just reading some headlines, that cinemas are going to be allowed to be open 100% from tomorrow in India. Um, <laughs> it's just amazing here, the difference. I mean, we're still, our lockdown has been extended to March the 7th. Um, even though the vaccine rollout, I think seven or eight million of the most vulnerable and over 80s and 70s have been vaccinated, but our, our uh, lockdown has been extended. And when I start seeing uh, outdoor concerts in New Zealand and cinemas now being open in India, it just seems, oh my goodness, where have we gone wrong here? That life is getting back pretty much to normal everywhere else apart from Europe and um... See, I, I mean I have no explanation to I can I have an explanation for New Zealand I have no explanation to uh, India at all uh, I mean look at where I am for example I'm in Kerala and Kerala has got the highest amount of COVID cases of 6,000 and Kerala is one of the smallest states in the country so are you telling me that you know the, the entire country has a lesser number because I think the total number they are citing was around 10,000 cases for the entire country and that is ridiculously low i i can only come up with one answer is that they're not testing enough or they don't care enough or uh because when whenever i move out of the state the couple of times that i did i realized kerala is way more uh you know they're putting more precautions out there most people do still wear masks here and there's like hand sanitizers available in front of supermarkets and everywhere but like when i went to chennai for example i didn't see any of this I saw public transport bus with like no mask, not even on their chins, or not even on their cheeks, whatever. Uh, it's just, I can't for the life of me, unless Corona is like said, hey, listen, like we can't do India. India is just too much of a mess. And it'll be like, you know, we just skip this country because I have no other explanation to it. I've like literally witnessed people not care about this uh, disease. Uh, you know, everybody's just out there. Or it's the sun. I don't know. But even the sun makes no sense because there's part of the country that don't get that kind of sun. Yeah. It's not just it's not just Kerala out there. There's like North India and there's extreme winters and everything. So 
I mean, this both, I have no explanation to it. I am in some ways, I know it sounds very privileged for me. I am happy to be in a state where they are at, at least testing and there is a good number because I think that's more believable. I mean, I feel more comfortable believing that, you know, my healthcare system is at least still out there doing their job and, you know, trying to vaccinate people and all that. But even in a so-called, I mean, I, I'm sure you've heard of this already. Like Kerala is supposedly a little more progressive mm. in terms of, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, healthcare and all that. Even here, I see that I keep hearing stories of people not wanting to vaccinate. There's just some, you know, taboo, some stigma attached to uh, vaccination. And I mean, that's, that's another, I think governments will now start making ads and, you know, getting, uh, you know, just like it was for polio, just like it was for the other disease, I think you have to like really roll out a more, uh, uh, you know, uh, these PSAs and stuff like that, because right now I think it's not really working out. People have just given up. You you have even rave parties happening in Goa. I mean, as per, I read a Vice article in which all this is pretty common out there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, so I mean, I, I understand looking from outside, I mean, India's got everything to be jealous of, but I don't necessarily think that is a reflection of the reality. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it is uh, looking from the outside and where we are and you think we'll, we've got a first rate um, health system and um, uh, measures in place, but uh, to see how far behind we are in terms of opening up and uh, it's one of the things that people do um, highlight that um, the way we measure deaths and um in, uh, infections and um, what have you is a lot more stringent than other places outside Europe so yeah that you know you don't always read into the numbers in the same way but it's just the fact that life is opening up and I was speaking to colleague uh, Prasan and he was saying that um, in Bengaluru you know all the bars are open and what have you and it's, <laughs> it's another life it's another life but uh, hey we will get there I'm sure uh, here I'm in sure, the UK sure. soon and when you get there you will feel much more relieved and not like skeptical whether this is actually true or you know should you be doing yeah. that you not be doing well that? do you know what we were talking about this in our group um, uh, the other day whether what's it going to be like because we've now been accustomed to be extra cautious especially in my circle of friends and colleagues and work friends and what have you that you know we are really taking everything seriously all of us um, down to the last person that when it does open up um, what we're going to feel like what's the first hug that's you know who's going <laughs> to do that and uh, it will be uh, very strange but yeah something... yeah I mean it took me around like two three weeks to get used to it uh, really so yeah I mean yeah, I wasn't happy when somebody approached near me. I was like, why are you so near to me? I, I still get that these days. I mean, I still have that big problem of, you know, that social distancing is, I think, now put in your head so much that you're yeah. suddenly afraid. The moment somebody is near you, even in a supermarket, you're like, why are you this close? Kind yeah. of like, waiting for me to pass or something. But so I think that will take a lot of... For me, I got put into a very tough situation. I went to do that call of series and I was working with like Fisher communities and they didn't give a damn about social distancing or mask or anything so i was like hey <laughs> i mean uh, you know there is a life beyond mask as well these people are living it so might as well just jump in and because as a i mean as a journalist as a as a filmmaker you can't be alien you try to blend into the space as much as possible so the moment i was wearing a mask in a different accent this huge looking guy with like a camera and all i am anyway not helping my camouflage, so the little few things that I can do is take off the mask or, you know, yeah. uh, try to blend in. So I had no option but to get in. I think one month over there sort of changed me and prepared me for life post-lockdown. <laughs> yeah, uh, some of these things will carry on and for the better, really, like sanitizing and uh, looking after yeah. the environment. So hopefully a couple of positives uh, from that. But moving I, on I, to... I, yeah, sorry. sorry I, I mean, but... I, Generally, I've had like nasal problems, mm -hmm. uh, like sinusitis and I'm allergic to dust and all. So in some strange way, wearing the mask has helped me a lot. Because now I'm just like inhaling lesser amount of dust. So, I mean, I think as a practice, I would like to keep doing this. Yeah. Because it's, yes. and it's now made, it's now fashionable also. People are not going to like attack you for wearing a mask. 
yeah. now you can wear a mask and nobody's going to judge you for it. So I think, I mean, these are yeah. going to be like permanent changes, I think. Yeah, and there used to be a lot of judging, and um, especially um, a few years ago when you see people from uh, Southeast Asian nations on holiday in Europe and in airports, and they all used to be masked up, and you think, really? But now you understand, you know, totally. They, uh, yeah. It's an, a practice that they've um, developed and kept on going, which is not a good thing, and I think it's going to carry on here as well, especially um, uh, come the next winter. Uh, but, yeah, um, strange times as we continue to... Uh, talk about and it's been almost a year so um yeah it's 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 a few positives but a lot of um things to look forward to hopefully this year 2021 uh but one of the uh, things that also surprises me is the i know we don't you don't get the credit in terms of the people uh especially very high up in certain organizations to listen to what you say because I've lost a number of times you've said something and it's happened a couple of days later, you know, and uh, the biggest one is that um, the owner of Chelsea, I'm pretty sure is listening to this podcast somewhere or messages got to him because um, you've been banging on about, you know, we need to get rid of Frank. And I told you here, it's not got to that level. You know, there's still a lot of support for him for, and we talked about why there was a lot of support, why he's got a lot of leeway. But we talked about this on the podcast last uh, Sunday. And what did I wake up to on Monday morning? Goodness me, Nevin. Man, you've got a lot of influence, uh, whether you know yeah, it yeah. or not. But word gets I, out. What Nevin yeah, says I, eventually reaches the people it needs to. Yeah, I had to text Roman and Marina and say that, you know, I don't want my name out. Uh, please keep me, like, keep my part confidential. Because I don't want to, like, hurt my relationship with Lampard. He's still a legend. So, <laughs> I just, yeah, but it, I mean, I know you've uh, been saying it, but it was a big shock. It was a big shock. They had uh, a good it? cup win. It was here. And I, I was I was trying to relay to you here that, yeah, there's murmurings. Things are starting to a little bit, you know, he's getting a bit more criticism. But there wasn't any talk of get rid of Frank here. And we've talked about the reasons why he's a legend. He's an England, young English manager. Um, and, you know, he was getting a lot of... Um, leeway uh but then the monday morning um i was surprised i know you probably weren't but i was very surprised i was surprised a lot of people were surprised because for me i think he had already reached that point i think chelsea has always been broken i mean that's that's how they function it's it's the identity i mean i feel sorry for lampard but he i'm i'm sure as a chelsea player he would have seen this as a player as well and this is what he would have expected and uh, i mean uh, I get the English hype about Lampard, but I, I, it did give a sense that, uh, you know, he was struggling with, with a lot of players, with a lot of tactics and all that. And, let, I mean, let's be honest, you, I mean, Chelsea didn't pay all that money for Havertz and Werner and whatnot for them to not play uh, or not perform. So, it was bound to happen. There is always pressure. I think when Fernando Torres was brought in, I think Carlo Ancelotti suffered because of that. I don't think he really wanted him, but like Torres came and then there was a surprise. This, you know, element of, you know, pressure to now get Torres to start scoring goals as well. So, I mean, uh, Frank probably wasn't helped by the fact that he signed all these players, very exciting young prospects, and there was a sudden pressure to, uh, you know, perform. But you also see the moment Frank was, uh, you know, sagged and uh, Thomas... Tuchel was uh, appointed. After the first match, I think the likes of Martin Keon and all of them were saying, oh, what a boring, what a boring Chelsea side. They were just passing sideways. There was no penetration. I'm like, ah, I mean, this is so classic British. I mean, the first manager who probably had like less than 48 hours to coach a team. He managed to draw against a decent Wolves team. I mean, what were you expecting? Were you expecting them to like, you know, Tiki-taka their way past Wolves 10 times. I, I don't know. Just uh, Well, yeah. the, the fact, I mean, firstly, uh, to that Wolves game, the fact that a young English midfielder wasn't starting, that didn't go down well. Uh, we're talking about Mount here. He's been one of the best face, I think you'd agree. He's had a good season up to now. One of the few Chelsea players who can say that. Uh, but I think um, there has been a lot of, a bit of backlash. And I think um, they're lucky there's no crowds. Um, I think uh, the reception at the Wolves game would have been quite unusual uh, for Tuchel yeah. because uh, a couple of days after, well, even a day after the sacking, 
for him to take over because, like you say, Frank is a legend. He is a young English manager. And even yesterday, I was I was listening to a podcast and uh, they had a um, couple of guys from the Chelsea Forum and they were not happy with the decision. Uh, Frank has got a lot of friends, as you can imagine, in the media who are still, you know, saying this is this was his first blip. Um, and, um, you know, the decision was wrong, is wrong. Um, so Tuchel is starting with uh, quite a few things against him. He's got most of the media against him, most of the fans against him. And uh, I'm not surprised with the Which reaction. I think suits him, which, which, which is the best. You know, put him, you know, put him under pressure. Because, I mean, I don't want somebody to come there and relax. You know, Chelsea job is pressure. And let's be honest, there's a lot of money at stake if you don't qualify for Champions League. And Chelsea has invested in the summer, taken this opportunity when other teams couldn't buy a lot of players due to the you know the financial hits due to COVID and all that. Chelsea gambled. They gambled big in the summer. So are you expecting like ruthless owners or anybody just sit tight and say, ah, it's okay, Frank can take three, five seasons to, you know, win this uh, legacy. And let's be honest, Bharat, have you seen anything in that Chelsea side that suggested that Frank was building something? Except Mason Mount, who's a very exciting young player. And I'm sure he'll, he'll start featuring. He's, he's a very bright, talented, hardworking uh, kid who is willing to, you know, play multiple positions. There's no way Mount is going to stay away from that team. Uh, and I think in that particular match, I think uh, the coaches went for what he thought was an experienced side to play that particular formation. That's got really nothing to do. I mean, a lot of people were like upset Reese wasn't starting, but Callum Hudson Odoi really performed well in that thing. Now he's completely. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So yeah, so I mean, give it some time. I I mean, this has always been the Chelsea way. I mean, Liverpool fans will say you know Klopp was given time. Yeah, as, I, as a Chelsea fan, you you say it's always been the Chelsea way. Are you happy with the Chelsea way? Yeah, I mean, as long as you bring titles and. Uh, you know, success or anything. I don't know what. I mean, I was more sad when Di Matteo was sent. Let's be honest. He just won a Champions League mm. and an FA Cup, and you sacked that fellow. So why should Frank Lampard be any any different? You know that. I mean, he deserved a better chance. I mean, he won you the Holy Grail. That this is what Roman Abramovich wanted mm. so much. Mm. In whatever way possible, let's not judge him on the kind of football they play. But they they won the win the trophy. So. I was really sad when Carlo Ancelotti was sacked. I was uh, I was a big fan of Jose Mourinho in his first stint. Uh, I I actually thought Conte was not backed in terms of transfers. I think if Antonio Conte was given the kind of signings that he wanted, maybe things would have changed, and that made him cranky. And uh, you know the fight with Diego Costa didn't help as well. So I mean, if you ask, if, is this perfect? No, it's absolutely not perfect, and that's not how you want it to be. But how many football coaches actually last long? You, I mean, you look at Mourinho. Uh, we all, I mean, judge Chelsea for sacking him. He went and did the same thing at uh, United. Um, he very likely losing his bench already at Tottenham. So now you understand why Chelsea did it. And I think uh, what I've always liked about Chelsea is that they've always stayed ahead of the game. So even when the lone army thing, uh, I mean, look at the ethical aspect of it. Yeah, it's wrong to, you know, hold a lot of players, whatever. But they were clever and they did it when it was legal to do all that. So they've always stayed ahead of the game and that's how business is run. So if you, you know, look at it from a uh, very professional point of view, I think that they're just very ruthless in their business and they want titles to sustain what the club is about. And, and that's what you get as a Chelsea fan. You see a title, uh, a cup every two years. I have not. I think Frank Lampard season is the one time that I remember. Otherwise, even in disaster season, you win an FA Cup or you win a League Cup or something is there. Or or a Europa League. I mean, we are a spoiled club that Europa League is not even celebrated. We are like, nah, that's just a, you know, a random trophy. Oh, no, I wasn't I even very excited. Trophy. Yeah, so... Now, I just so want I to sh uh, share a comment from one of our most loyal um, viewers and listeners, um, uh, Shubnam Nayak, and he says Chelsea should show Madrid the kind of patience I think he's trying to say the Madrid do, but they're not known for that uh, because you know Madrid used to have this of um, getting rid of managers, but they've shown a lot of patience with uh, Zidane. Uh, mm -hmm. But um, you know, 
you say that uh, I'm, I'm holding you here to account, and I shouldn't. It's unfair. But you know, you say, can you see Chelsea building anything? But then you're happy with the changes in managers. I, I, it, it's different ways of functioning, I guess. As long as the managers are being paid and they're not like, you know, I mean, let's not get into Indian football kind of level where they're sacked and then they don't get paid. At least they're getting paid. I mean, that's that's a professional circle, right? Like, yeah. I, if you ask me from a, a from an ethical, you know, point of view or something, I'll say it's sad that, you know, good managers don't get time to build their dynasties. And, but let's be honest, who's done it? Like, I can think of Klopp in the recent years, but like, who else? Pep, who else has, you know, you know, done this? Pep is doing it. And um, so there are examples. But I just want the other thing that came out of the second, and obviously that's been the news here, is that um, a lot of the pundits in the media feel that uh, some of these big signings weren't Franks. Um, they were more about the owners and the players that they wanted in. Uh, so when you get that 250 million spend, a lot of that wasn't down to Frank wanting that spend. And then obviously those players were not performing to the expectations and they thought we're we going to have another Kepa sort of situation where we uh, pay out huge sums and then the player just doesn't perform. So did it, did, do you think that had anything to do with it? That Frank but like, 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 let's look at the signings, for example. I mean, Thiago Silva is a good signing. You can't really blame anybody for signing Thiago Silva. I think he's brought in some sense of you know, confidence in the defence. Mendy was a signing that was required. You needed a backup or like a, another keeper because Kepa's confidence was so all over the place. Uh, ben Chilwell was as much a Frank Lampard signing as it could possibly be. And he just started every game. I think the only one doubt we have is Havertz. But like all these interviews prior to all these you know big stories from The Athletic, from I remember reading Matt Law right about it. I mean, all of them were telling how Frank and Peter Cech played a huge role in convincing these youngsters to come, especially Werner, especially uh, Havertz and all that. So, what are you saying that he's not involved? So, was he just, you know, doing it because it's part of his job? Because then he was quite convincing if it was just part of his job to even go to places, meet these players, try to convince them to sign your project. So, to think Werner wasn't a Frank Lampard signing is also a little bizarre. And uh, I think it's just British media just cooking things up. I mean, of course, maybe maybe a Havertz was opened up and, you know, Frank must have said, you know, I mean, I probably prefer like an a, a English player or I don't know what, what, what he wanted in his mind. Of course, that discussion might have happened, but it's not like, it's not like you pass up an opportunity to sign a really good talent. I know he's not performed. But on if you look at the stats when Havertz was signed, he was he was he was called a generational talent. He was called something like a cross between Michael Balak and Ozil. And why would you not want to sign a, a mix of Balak and Ozil, right? So I don't know. I think it's I think it's a lot of British uh, tabloid business here, and not really not really. Yeah, well, that, that that will come into it. Uh, that will come into it because um, for Frank, I mean, where do you go after Chelsea? It, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, he's not going to get any of the top five, well, top six clubs. Um, he's not going to come to Leicester. So he's been put into a position as well now. Where do you go for if you're Frank? I'm sure he'll, he'll get his opportunities. Apparently, I think... Uh... I think was it the Atletico wrote that he turned down a good offer in the summer to take the Chelsea offer because he's like, you know, it's Chelsea. So I don't think it's easy. That? Yeah, I don't think um, I can't. Who's the last English manager that was successful in Europe? I mean, it's it's very very difficult, and um, you can see where English managers are rated. They're not even rated in England, so I can't see big European teams coming in for English managers. Um, so and that's going to be significantly more as well. So that doesn't help their cost. Yeah, yeah. But moving on to the new guy. So you think the the he's the right guy for Chelsea? I would have liked Nagelsmann. I think I I like what he does, and I think he would have been a better player to you know unlock the potential of Havertz and uh, uh, Werner and all that. But I mean, you can't really complain about the signings. He's a 
good coach who's you know you know managed Dortmund, who managed BSC, taken them to a Champions League final, uh, managed egos of the likes of Neymar and uh, Mbappe. These are big players; they're not easy handling big players. So uh, something about him uh, seems nice, but like. Am I, I might be going overboard with my, you know, love or justification for the Chelsea way of things, but it is a Chelsea way of things, right? So you're not looking at somebody to build a dynasty for 10 years. You're looking for like somebody to bring your success for the next two, three years. So that way, I don't think this hurts. And if we can get the Germans rolling and, you know, uh, add something more, I mean, I think Chelsea has really struggled against big teams because they've not really been tactically good. It's not like player to player Chelsea were bad. I think they were out, you know, in terms of, I, I, I can't say outclass, but like in, in terms of tactics, at least I think most of these managers that they face have been better off in terms of preparing the teams. And I think maybe Thomas Tuchel can, in some ways, you know, compensate that and add more, more uh, guile and more industry and everything into yeah, it'll be interesting because he's going to get a bit of an insight into the Premier League because uh, your boys have got Burnley and you can't get a more traditional Premier League team um, than Burnley and Son Dyche and the way he plays. So we'll see how he... And a team in form. And a team in form. Burnley have been playing well. Yeah, but they're not your usual open attacking football, is it? They're, 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 yeah. they're going to be tough. They're going to be strong. We know what Burnley and Son Dyche's teams are like. So it'll give um, uh, Tuchel a bit of a... Uh, uh, we'll see where he stands, although it's still very early days. But then you've got a big game against Jose's team on Thursday. Um, so he he'll he'll have to get used to it. There's no easy. It, it's it's not like the German league or the definitely not like uh, the French league, where you have um, quite a few easy games. Um, he's it's something he has to get used to, doesn't he? Um, and have, um, he's he's a top top manager, so I'm sure he knows what he's getting himself into. But it's only once you start doing it, managing. I think he league. himself said in the interview that. Uh, the general expectation is that he won't last so much. He's like, he himself knows what it is. Well, it, it, this is one of the things that was raised. What if he doesn't get into the top four this year? Um, and he doesn't win a trophy because you're not in the League Cup. You're still in the FA Cup. But if you don't win the um, Champions League and what have you, will he get sacked? It'll be harsh, but... I don't think he'll get sacked because I don't think there's a lot of people out there to be. So unless you get like a Nagelsmann to you know come or the very think very very elite few managers out there who will be available in the summer to come take up this position, so that would save him, I guess. But again, it's it's a research. So maybe top four is in priority, but if he's not improving the team, then obviously he's getting inside. Interesting times, interesting times. Um, yeah, something that we'll obviously come back to. And uh, I'm going to get a lot of complaints because we've spoken too much of your boys, Chelsea. Um, yeah. But uh, it is a big story, Chelsea. Uh, but coming to another big story that stood out for me, and it's something um, you highlighted and I read about and I was taken a little bit surprised about, was, and I think it was, uh, to be fair, Ron, um owner of Orisha who retweeted something that Bart Jindal, the owner of uh, BFC, uh, either gave an interview or wrote an article about the financial situation in Indian um, football, ISL especially. And uh, it really opened my eyes. Well, not opened my eyes because we knew it's not um, a lot of money in there, but it's just the timing of it that surprised me. Um, I know they've changed their manager and you again you you called it out that it could be for financial reasons there was a change um but what were you what was your reaction to that um article or interview and uh, him raising it at this stage um of not only the season but in terms of the isl everybody knew what they were signing in for they knew the structure they knew the payment details um it's just the timing that surprised me yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, timing is a little odd considering the club is going through multiple other issues. I don't think uh, uh, the, the financial details would have been the, you know, the best way to, you know, add some cheer or positivity to their lives. But 
that aside, I think it's a it's a it's an open secret, right? We all knew these clubs were making losses, and I think Marcus uh, of Times of India also said that there's no football club in India that's making profit, like zero clubs. Well, so, I think Bengaluru were the only club that had declared or were rumored to have made a profit. Surprisingly, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean they are saying around 25 crores loss, and if you look at how Bangalore has been reacting to the last few summers. It's not even like they've gone out there and been aggressive and getting players or something. So you always got the sense that, you know, they're trying to tone down, trying to uh, be more clever with their signings, be more, more sustainable. So, I mean, Jindal Group is big in India. They're big and mighty and powerful. And for Park Jindal to come out there and say, is, I think, a, a rallying call for all the owners and teams to say, hey, enough is enough. You know, we've had this for long. We pay extraordinary franchise fees, we don't get any share of uh, broadcast, uh, you know, money and enough is enough. We need to, you know, act together and it's essentially save football because then they can invest that money elsewhere or they can be interested in running the team itself, you know, if not investing elsewhere. So, uh, I hope FSDL is listening. I hope AF is listening. We as journalists highlighted this the, the, the from the first season of ISL. And we got a lot of flag from the fans, everything, you're, you're regressive, you're not really, you know, you don't want anything new and everything. So, I mean, I am personally tired of talking about this. I've talked about this a lot. I've gotten in trouble for t- telling this. But we all knew this would happen, right? Like, we all knew if, if um, you know, FSDL is owned, I mean, 30% of FSDL is task force. That's a broadcaster. And, I mean, I know the deal is for 10 years. But like, what happens after 10 years? Is Star going to be like, you know, we have to forget that we are a broadcaster. We, we just, you know, we're just owners of FSTL or like members of FSTL and wait for the highest bid? No, right? I mean, if I if I invested 30%, I will ensure that the broadcast rights remain with me. Uh, and that is a problem, right? So there's no bidding, there's no like, no Sony coming in, no, you know, another, you know, BBC, I don't know, anybody coming in and saying, hey, we want to bid this for a better price. And and that's how you really, you know, rake up the money. And that's how teams start getting some spoils of it. But I don't see how it happens. And so I hope this is the start of a media revolution where ISL sites also realize, hey, I mean, unless we start talking out, then nothing's going to happen. And I hope, I really hope this is the start of something new because... I mean, you saw Pune FC fold. You saw uh, somebody like Rohan having to, you know, take his club from Delhi. A very nice position otherwise. Like, a, I mean, who would want to lose Delhi? But he had to move to Odisha for financial reasons. There's no hiding mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. So, you don't want more clubs to struggle, 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 lose interest. And that eventually affects players' salaries, contracts. Especially if you look at what has happened to the I-League in the last few years. You hear multiple stories of you know clubs not paying uh you know players clubs not honoring honoring contracts uh even recently i think one of the kerala clubs was accused of not paying uh, the wage and they've been issued a fine and all that so it's a mess and it, it starts from the top so if isl is not making money i think it's not making money and then the state leagues are not making money so it's that trickle-down sort of economy for Indian football. So it's very important that they make money and not run on losses. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it did. So I mean, what surprised me that you know you you said the media and yourself called it out from season one. We're in season seven. Um, you had the example of Pune, but this isn't something new. They knew the finances of running a football club. Um, but they signed up to it. This is my point. That why raise it now? Uh, you know, um, you said they've got a ten-year deal. So if you're looking at it, they've got another three years. What's going to happen when promotion relegation comes? Just imagine if you know, there's no team that's big enough. We say in the EPL that can't go down. If the likes of BFC, and um, please don't. I'm just using this as an example. You know, have a bad season, get relegated. You know, what's going to happen? Can they sustain themselves in the I League with a similar budget? Uh, because contracts, I know, sometimes are not worth the paper they're written on, but they still have to be in some sort of um, way uh, adhered to. Um, you know, why was this not seen my, my four years is, ago? No, my, I, I will rephrase that question and put it back to you. 
why is it too bad to be relegated right now? Because then you don't have to pay franchise fees. There is no broadcast revenue that's getting changed because you don't get anything anyway in the ISL as well. So it's not like you lose a lot of money. You will probably save 40 crores by getting relegated. You earn money by getting relegated. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's so confusing, right? It's a mess. I mean, what is the onus of playing in ISL except the fact that there is more coverage, TV coverage, so you can probably get more ads and, you know, more business that way of playing in the ISL because the I-League doesn't get the same kind of coverage. But you need more. You need TV, TV revenue for sure. And you need more, you know, probably uh, a lesser franchise fee. Do you need a franchise fee? I don't think you do. No. Yeah. I don't know why they've signed up to this franchise. Yeah, you need a franchise fee to join the club. But on a yearly basis, and you don't get the profits from this club that you joined, um, I don't see how it was going to be sustainable. I think it was a question of all these big rich owners um, subsidizing the growth of football. But yeah. even those in tough times, they're all businessmen, end of the day, very, very good businessmen. There's only so much they can sustain in terms of losses. And especially with Bath uh, having an IPL um franchise and the money he's getting for the capitals um he must be thinking you know there's just not the same sort of um uh, deal there when it comes to the isl i don't know if that's and what in fact, these in, eyes in fact even something as uh, not so common as kabaddi is about to break even so at least even yes. kabaddi they've found a way to you know you know get past the challenges but football is just way far off and um, yeah. Do you think? Do you think? It, it, um, I mean, you say hopefully this will be a start of something. Do you think that it could go down the route of what happened here when the Premier League was set up by the clubs themselves? They they set it up, broke away from the Football League, uh, but now everybody knew, knows the best decision the clubs have ever made for football here. It's the best league in the world. Do you think? Um, Indian football is at that stage where all these owners could say, look, we want to break away from the ISL now, form our own league. No, I, no, I don't think so. I think this the best shot was in, I think, 2006 when the likes of Vijay Malia thought, you know, they needed to break away from the I-League and start something on their own. I think then if it had happened, it would have actually changed. But right now, I think with Reliance involved, it's very, very difficult to break away. They have got stranglehold across the country and it's their league. So as these business owners themselves, all these teams, they wouldn't want to, you know, be at crossroads and, you know, have to choose between reliance and, you know, profitable football team because they've got other things at stake, right? It's not just a football team that they run. They've got other businesses and everything. So honestly, I think, I, I think, I don't think they're going to start a rebellion. Uh, that's... I mean, the only ones who would have done that would have been the Kolkata Giants and the Cohen teams and, you know, all those clubs. But they've also now, you know, been bought by the project and now there's no returning. Now we're just hoping that the ISL themselves are, you know, fair to the teams and they, you know, yeah. figure out a good way for Indian football. And to be fair, again, I have to go back um, to the interview we did with um, Ranjit Bajaj. He called it out, you know, he's, he's, he's been banging this drum for a while now. Um, about um, the financial aspect of football and how it doesn't work and it will catch up and it seems to be catching up now because if BFC are making this loss, uh, I know their budget is higher than, let's say, for example, just picking a name out, Northeast uh, United or, you know, teams like Chennai. Uh, but if they're starting to say, you know, we can't sustain this sort of level of loss, um, you know, the, the, it's got to that stage where Ranjit called it out. The only football association that doesn't have any control over its national league in terms of broadcasting or any other say. So, um, yeah, I'm, but I'm, in a way, I know I don't agree with the timing. I was surprised with that, but I suppose no time is bad time to call out something like this. So it's just a question of what will everybody else say? What will the owners say? If you look at the phrasing of it, it was never like, you know, calling out, calling out. It was like, you know, a subtle no, highlighting. Like, yeah, sort of highlighting because he was sort of like requesting Mrs. Ambani to maybe look at it, you know, maybe look, you know, it, it, it didn't feel like he had power. I mean, Path, Path felt like he was just helpless. And I mean, as an observer, that's not a very pretty sight, but 
like i mean i right now i think how indian football works for me is i close my eyes and hope and i hope that you know these things will get better because uh, there was a time in my life around like say 2015 17 when i was writing about it i was very vocal on twitter and everything about these things and i really didn't help my case for example like uh i mean to fight this seems to be impossible so we just hope that you know that this 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 eventual wave that's coming towards us is actually something that you can ride on and not you know it's not a tsunami yeah yeah and uh, let's hope um something does come out of it um big I don't know about the change in the contract or the broadcasting but um Yeah, he started the conversation I suppose that's the least he's done uh, but hopefully there'll be some action done on the back because what we don't want is another bunny uh, because I think that's really bad for football just when they've expanded the uh, the league and they're going down the path. And if you remember they had issues with the Kantira also so state league state state is also not helping uh, and that that's case with Bangalore I think with Odisha they found a you know home and a, a state that supports them. Yeah. but like in order not a, i mean i know in kochi they paid sobitan rates to get that stadium and they are considering moving to calicut uh, i know chennai and pays uh, yeah, i mean a massive amount of money to play at the jail and so all these clubs are looking for some help you know if not if it's not going to come from fstl and afm can at least the states interfere and say hey we're going to subsidize because you bring you you support our talented players you give them a platform why can't we subsidize when you so at some point somebody has to come in and i also hope that if this revolution happens they also consider the i league team because they're part of the process they are the foot soldiers for indian football in the country so uh, yeah i hope it, i hope it's a, it's a it's a revolution that involves all yeah absolutely and uh, you want to get down to the um, stage where each city state is desperate to have an ISL team and they will do anything to get an ISL team and keep an ISL team and that goes to providing facilities obviously the ideal solution is for the clubs to have their own stadiums but we're a long long way away from that uh, the finances are just not there but you want to you know be in a similar position to what the franchises in America have the city if, if i may interrupt bidding. you there yeah if i may interrupt you there a, a club like oval fc has its own stadium and they're planning a bigger stadium they play in the kerala premier league so it's also down to what the owners want and what they think is the path out you know and the way out it's not always about you know you know i mean oh no let's not think about stadium right now or whatever i mean it probably is difficult in a place like bangalore because you know land rates are extremely high or like a bombing but you know a good football club need not be in the center of the city it can be mm. in the outskirts also it helps fans also in some way because you can you know go there without affecting the traffic so much of the city and all that so if 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 a kolam can dream of a stadium and they've already done it in some levels of making a small stadium which you know 11s can another uh, side can play that they are the only side which owns a stadium in the kerala premier league for example but they've started a trend i now i know there's another club that's doing it they're having their own stadium so it is picking up it is picking up and i know a lot of clubs in bangalore smaller clubs uh, who have turfs so they also rent it out and also play their matches there so these are artificial turfs not ideal for football but at least they found out that is a park so when the teams are practicing they rent it out so there are people who come play and you know use their facility and that's money for the club ara in gujarat does that they've got a good state um, infrastructure there so it's it's also the will it's also the will and uh, they are clever businessmen so as long as the road map is not put out there they're not going to invest but if a good road map is put out there i'm sure the path in there and the lights will immediately go make a stadium yeah yeah i mean like you say it has to be a, uh, a in a business sense a, a way that is sustainable i mean uh, mohan bagan have got a, their own ground haven't they but i can't see atk playing there um unless they develop it but um yeah we'll see what happens but um yeah um, at least he started the conversation maybe a little bit a couple of years down the line but he started it um probably seen the insights from the IPL and how much he had to pay for it but um at least he's getting a good return and um he he knows that he's got a good uh, franchise there so we'll see what happens with that but um t- turning on to a bit more Brighton news and the happenings in the ISL this week. Um and what a week it's been for 
Northeast United FC. And um, again, I'm going to call out Shubnam Nayak. He's putting on um, good conversations here, but I don't know if he's read the script because he's he says, um, what about Khalid Jamil as manager? Um, what can what what could you say? Beating ADK, beating Mumbai. He's had a good start to his new latest stint as manager. I mean, um, I, mean I think we discussed this earlier as well. I think Carl is a proven guy. Like, what more can you possibly want yeah, as a coach? He's, he's won the I League with uh, less fancy world, you know. Uh, so even like then, us. you must be surprised with the impact he's had to beat those two teams in the first week, playing pretty much the same formation. Three as teams. So he's, he's won three matches to one. Yeah, three matches, but Owen these two Koy. big teams. Yeah. No, he's beaten Owen Koy for Jamshedpur as well. You know, if you if you look at the coach profile, that's again a, an ISL finalist coach. So he's beaten Abbas, he's beaten Owen Koy, and he's beaten Novera. So I mean, you can't beat bigger coaches in in the country right now. So I mean, I mean, if this is not you know proving that he's good, then I don't know what is. But that aside, he's always been a fighter. He's always been a good organizer of teams. And it was not even like classic Khalid Jamil, you know, side where they just sit and, you know, they put in a target performance. That is what he used to do uh, in his Mumbai days. Yeah. But this was, I mean, I thought they played really well. They moved the ball really well. Uh, again, I think Van Huru has a, you know, a, a great scouting team in terms of identifying talent. It's just that these talents don't perform for their teams. So last year we saw with Onbu, this year we're seeing with Brown. He's now scored two goals in the last yeah, match, and he's looking very exciting. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I I've always been a big fan of college. I mean, I'll I'll share a personal story as well. I think in the season they won the I League when they were in Chennai. So back then there was no uh, there was no noticeable trend that Iswal is going to win the match. We had come there to play Chennai City FC. And strangely, I had to come home. I think it was my brother's wedding or something, which which meant I couldn't be at the press conference in which Khalid was there. I got his number, tried to call him for an interview. It didn't, it never worked out. I messaged him. Um, I met he I he might think that I harassed him in terms of the request. I just kept, you know, asking, you know, is that possible? Because I was a big fan of his work in Mumbai. And what happened later was that he won the league and I was like, oh my God, I missed out on the best interview possible. Like, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to interview him before before the hype, you know, before the, the, the there was this chance that he's going to win the league. And uh, I've always been a big fan of his work. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for him at uh, Calcutta Clubs. But uh, yeah, just uh, just good. I, I don't want to just, I think we've discussed this again and again about how, you know, Indian coaches be should be given chance and all. I think Khalid has just come out of there and said, you know, this is this is what we can do. And I think Pratim also did really well in his limited time with uh, Pune. And I think these guys are all looking for their opportunities. And hopefully we'll see them someday. Well, I didn't know. Well, just mentioning on uh, the, the changes in the ISL and allowing Indian coaches, that might be one way of reducing the costs because that is a cost imposed isn't it that you need to get a foreign manager that's going to be a lot more than getting a uh, an indian born manager but coming to an indian born manager what i didn't know because you said you know we need to talk about Khalid, and that's why i was thinking shubnam has seen uh, what you wanted to talk about quite rightly actually was that he's kuwaiti but indian citizen i didn't know that about him he's born in kuwait and uh, uh he, i mean it's not had like a very successful career as a player, but uh, from what I mean, I've not seen him play. But from what I've asked others, because I was always fascinated by Khalid Jamil, there's something about him that was always fascinating. So I've always been tracking this guy what has he been up to? You know, is he coaching some sides? So I, like, he was always a very clever guy on the midfield. He was a very clever midfielder. And I think, strangely, if you look at, say, Pep Guardiola, all these, you know, really good uh, midfielders turn out to be really good. I don't know if it's because you get access to the defense and forward or whatever, uh, but like Antonio Conte, uh, there is something about midfielders and coaches. I think they, they understand the game a little really well, which was my hope with Frank Lampard as well. I always thought he would make a good coach because he was one of the most cleverest footballers I'd seen. He timed his runs to perfection and it was not like he was blessed with Messi-like ability. He just had, he had the brains going for him as a footballer. So, 
I mean, maybe that's that, that's an element as well. College Jamie was a you know when we go, you know, learning is great, but yeah, uh, I think uh, uh, I mean yeah, wait, but I I I, I cannot assume that you know about it. Yeah, I, I no, no, I, I, I just I assumed he was um, Indian, you know, uh, and uh, I mean, he's an Indian. He is Indian, of course, yeah, but uh, in Kuwaiti born, and he had to take up Indian citizenship, I think, uh, to play for the national team, which is a lot of, uh, that's a huge commitment, isn't it? Uh, but also the fact that we did speak to about this, the, fa the fact that, um, I know you rated him and you were saying, you know, uh, he's really good when he spoke about uh, the sacking um, of the uh, Spanish coach and uh, the fact that Khalid was not even part of the coaching staff. He was running the academy. And he was brought in. He was there. he was part of the uh, coaching staff in the first few matches, and then he was demoted. I don't know what is the right, you know, I don't know what 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 was the right thing that they did, or you know, given a different designation. It was a little murky as to what was happening, which is why I sort of also said like uh, I was wondering if Gerard Musaki had politics behind it. Was it like a Khalid Jamil fraction saying, "Hey, we want him," and we don't want this. Spanish guy and did that happen? I don't know. Maybe it did. I'm just guessing here. I'm not accusing or yeah, that yeah. so uh, which is why there was something happening. And when Carlos took over, I was like, hmm, maybe there was some you know player power. Maybe there was some you know politics that happened. And and we also thought it was a financial decision, right? Because you know foreign coaches cost uh, considerably high, and a lot of teams tend to. Take the foot of their pedal once they realize they're not going to make it to the playoffs. So it kind of seemed like a move, but look at where Northeast is right now. I mean, clearly, all that I say doesn't, you know, do not turn out to be true. Here's a big example. Well, I say not all, but uh, you did mention him as a coach and a very good coach. So that part's true. Um, but it's just the fact that he's had an incredible start. And I was watching the game yesterday um, and um, even the commentators were saying, you know, when Mumbai City got one back, that this is the perfect solution. It's a situation for Khalid uh, that he has a lot of 1-0 tight wins. Um, so tactically, you know, he seems to be defensively minded, but his teams are playing attacking football. I mean, he got all, all three were 2 1 wins, right? Yeah. I think he, all, yeah, all three victories have been 2 1s. Uh, but yeah, he's known for being a defensive coach first. But also, let's remember, I mean, we're, we, we don't really talk about in these Bengal days. So, most of most of the football that we associate with uh, Khalid Amit is Aizol and Mumbai. And both teams were not, you know, front runners. They were not expected to do things. So, you can also understand why a coach wants to play that way because he's got limited resources. He doesn't have perhaps the best player in the league in his team or anything. So he had to make do with what he got. So to say that, so it's like saying Sam Allardyce is a you know defensive coach. We don't know. We've not seen Sam Allardyce you know manage a, a manager top top side or uh, Owen Coyle is a defensive coach is what we thought. And here he came and he started attacking and playing you know fabulous football. So it's also probably down to the opportunity that they get. Yeah, well, we'll see. And um, but just talking about the chances of Northeast and um, maybe getting into the playoffs, um, it's very tight now. Um, and a lot of, well, I was going to say shock results, but we shouldn't, sh shouldn't say that really. Uh, we've seen it here in the uh, Premier League and they're putting it down to the you know the environment and no fans and what have you and but in india is different they're playing in that bubble is that what we're seeing certain teams playing playing better was we're not giving them enough credit that they are where they are and they're challenging the so-called top four um now this season do you think that's a natural progression of football or is it just the season we are in and the situation we're in that we're seeing these sort of results and these other teams being in contention a lot more teams being in contention to get into the top four? I mean, let's be honest, I don't know how much of highest atmospheres matter. Okay. It's not like all these stadiums were full and you know noisy. I mean Kerala Blasters in the initial part of the season, yes. But once uh, you know the results start going down, even the audience is quite dwindling. It goes to like ten thousand, which is quite small if in a huge stadium with sixty thousand capacity. So mm -hmm. um yeah, I think 
you could argue these things, but I would just say the likes of Bangalore have been poor. And there is no running away from that fact. So if we for Hyderabad or Northeast are better in, uh, in in the league, it's because they played better. And it's not because, you know, Bangalore didn't have the fans to back them up or things like that. I mean, we've been discussing about Bangalore ever since, in our podcast, ever since we started doing this. I think that team has not shown what it's capable of, uh, say, in, in under Roka or even Westwood. They were uh, they were the winners. I mean, it was that uh, mentality monsters thing that Pradeep always you know call them and or talk about them about. But like uh, they we've not seen the mentality monsters in in Bangalore. It's not been the same side. Uh, Sunil Chetri seems really agitated every interview. He says like I don't know what's going wrong. I mean, you you sacked Quad right now. Musa is in charge, which is the same thing. Uh, there seems to be something wrong. I I feel Gurpreet is not even playing to sixty percent of his ability. He seems. No, little, we've said uh, this. Yeah, even, yeah. It's just so that team needs some kind of uh, you know magic. It can be in terms of four or five good signings and saying you know we are we are we are now transitioning into a new team with young potential stars and uh, you know let's say let's try something new. Or get something, I mean, you, they had a big chance of signing somebody like Sandesh Jinkin and sort of say, hey, good, we've got you uh, an Indian, you know, uh, central defender who is going to fight it out. But they've not done that and they really need that. Uh, so it's, it's not going to come with changing coaches. I think there needs to be something really fresh and overhauled in some sense because this team seems a little, you know, lacking Stand- in juice. Yeah, and when was the last time you would have thought that uh, BFC would have lost a two-goal lead with about five, six minutes to go? Um, but a great comeback for Hyderabad. And, and, to a side, and to a side that outplayed them. I mean, Hyderabad deserved everything that they got. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but just looking at the league overall, it's um, we're coming to the last um, quarter of the season and it's very, very tight. And um, obviously, the top two are going to be there because of the nature of the points they've got. Even ATK probably need five points and they'll um, clinch the uh, top four. Uh, but even FC Goa were pulling away now. They've been bunched up again. So it's very tight between uh, third and right down to East Bengal, you could say, in a way, because they've been playing decent football. They've uh, you know ch- uh, transitioned into a good team. Um, I thought they deserved... Um, well, I thought they deserved a win against FC Goa the other day. I mean, they missed the penalty, yeah. uh, but um, it's getting very tight and it's going to be interesting last part of this uh, season. And I would like two teams that are not usually there to be in the uh, playoffs. And I think um, Khalid will do no harm if he gets northeast there uh, in terms of uh, Indian coaches as well. Yeah, I mean... One for the Indian coaches and one for the Indian players, I feel, for Hyderabad. I think a lot of Hyderabad's performance has been down to the fact that they've got like a good core of uh, young Indians playing hearts out. And even the coach himself said, you know, they, they train like animals. So there's nothing more I can ask. And that's that's good. That's, that's the kind of football that we want to see. So I would definitely want both uh, Northeast and uh, Hyderabad there up top, which sadly means like so FCQ are not making it. But, mm. you know... I, even if FC Goa makes it's not it's not a bad thing, but like no. you want you want new contenders, like you always want the monotony monotony to sort of you know uh, break. So, um, yeah. I but even even know. even if we go down the route of uh, one of the old big teams, <laughs> I'm saying it jokingly, please. But uh, Kerala, they've got a big game today. But if they get a result there, they're in the they're in the hunt. I mean, I think Kerala. Uh, sort of thought ISL is Indian stalemate league and not super league because I think no, <laughs> I think a uh, lot of draws when they could have easily won a couple of matches. I mean that that victory would have really changed things. And I mean that's been the pattern of the season, I guess. A lot of draws. I had so many draws this season. I've lost count. Uh, but I think Kerala missed uh, a, a few opportunities that way. Was it against FC Goa? I, I mean couple of times where, you know, there was a red card and they didn't really capitalize on that and things like that. So, yeah, hopefully... Even the, even the game against Jamshedpur uh, during the week, I think they should have won that as well. Yeah, it was a nil-nil, they should have won but, uh, 
um, but they're not too far away. So I mean, there was there was a ghost goal. It was almost like Frank Lampard's sort of a goal, which kind of went inside, but there was no goal line tracking. So unfortunately, that was not was not given to the team. But yeah, it's just um, I but I it's, don't it's, think they like to make it. But I think it's really good for Indian football. So many teams still in contention, um, and uh, it makes it for interesting uh, last part of the, uh, the season and even the playoffs, because you don't. I mean, you know, if you come up against one of these teams that make it into the playoffs for the first time, even for the likes of Mumbai City, as they found out against Northeast, it's not going to be easy for them in the playoffs Absolutely. as well. So, um, really good end to the season, interesting end to the season. We'll see how it pans out. But I also wanted to mention the I-League and um, I've been catching some of the games. Uh, I think the um, Federation's got the YouTube channel and putting on uh, highlights. So some of the games, I've been, I know it's only the highlights. You don't see the whole game, so you don't see how the, you know, what standard it is or what the game was like. But I've really enjoyed watching the highlights as well. Um, some decent football open, being played. A lot of open football. It seems yes. Yes. A lot of attacking <laughs> football. Yeah, a lot of attacking football. Uh, it, it almost feels like most of them are playing without a pressure because this league yeah. out doesn't matter. So mm-hmm. everybody's like, go attack, have fun. It's, it's like school football. And school football without consequences. It's like a few classes playing each other. Just a lot of, <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh, as usual, un- I think we unpredictable. We can't say anything on that day. Uh, yeah. Last year, we were having this discussion about, you know, Trau and you're like, at, at that point, I think Trau was like really at the bottom and people were like, uh, and I, I said, maybe, you know, Trau could also you know, <laughs> come up in uh, this season. They've been, they, even they've been playing well, uh, like so, uh, Churchill always fly, you know, they always start well, Churchill, and then something happens and they go down. Gokulam has been disappointing. One match they play well and one match they don't play well. I thought... Uh, before the season, I had in my mind thought Real Kashmir and I mean, uh, Punjab would be two good sides. They have also struggled. So, I really don't know what to make of this. In fact, the likes of Aizol and uh, the teams that I really didn't expect to make the cut uh, have been, you know, performing well. Mohamed and Sporting new into the league, but they're like, you know, they've always been there. Uh, Chennai struggling. So, such a bizarre league. You, there's no continuity. You can be like season winners in one season and then next season come up and be really pathetic. So, uh, yeah, there's no, look, not a lot to analyse. Yeah, just looking at the table, even there, it's very, very tight from second to tenth. Uh, one win yeah. and you can go second. So, um, And then the format is that uh, uh, it's not your classic league. So, mm-hmm. once, once you're done with a round of uh, games, then they'll split into the team for... Uh, Winner, so it's, it's divided into like at most six clubs, uh, and then the top league will fight. The top teams will play each other, and the bottom half will play each other. And the bottom half, whoever finished bottom, is going to get relegated. So it's very important that you play well now because you don't want to miss out on the first, uh, first half. Yeah, true. Yeah, I'm not sure what the um, uh, the number of games is uh, before they split into promotion. It's basically every team plays each other. Right, so 10 games, so they're halfway through, really. But it's still very, very tight. Like I said, even Morocco, who are 10th, only three points off uh, trial in second place. Um, obviously, the Arrows won't get relegated, uh, but um, we'll see how that pans out. But again, we don't know if it's down to the season uh, and the, uh, the environment that they're so tight a league or the standard is closing between the big teams and um, the so-called big teams and the smaller teams. But uh, interesting finish there as well to the first stage. But no, and as usual, um, the hour has gone over, and uh, but it's been really fantastic speaking about um, various topics that we've had today and um, the... Um, Obviously, starting with the uh, sacking of um, our beloved Frank, as we say in England, um, he was hard done by, but we'll get over it, I'm sure. Uh, but fantastic! Sure, I mean, we also call him. Uh, I mean, we love Lampard. There's no not mistake on that front. I think we are personally one of my favorite Chelsea players ever. Uh, I still can't forget the way he pushed off Messi and passed the ball to Ramirez, and that led to the goal against Barcelona. Just you know, little little things. I don't remember his goal so much. I remember the push. So. Yeah, I mean, as a player that uh, you've always loved him, I'm sure Chelsea fans will understand that this is how it is. Yeah. Football is well, business. You can't 
not qualify for something like a Champions League. I think a start will be beating Tottenham yard rivals on Thursday. Uh, if Tuchel wants to get onto the right side of fans very quickly, that's the place to start beating Tottenham. So that'll be a really interesting game on Thursday. I look forward to speaking to you about it next week as well. But fantastic, uh, Nevin. As always, brilliant insight from yourself. Uh, we'll see which of the uh, uh, top uh, echelons of football are listening to you, taking in what you're saying, and we'll see what changes they bring this week. But thank you again, my friend. You stay safe. And-